This episode of Rockcast is brought to you by Rock sponsor IT OneSource. Any IT products and services solutions can be acquired through IT OneSource. Connect with them today at rockrms.com slash sponsors. Welcome back to Rockcast, the podcast where we take you behind the scenes with Rock. We'll tell you where we are, where we're going, and today we're going to tell you where we've been. I'm Emily Foreman. I have John Edmiston and Nick Erdo here with me today. Lots of exciting things to talk about. It's going to be a little bit of a throwback episode, which we're excited to discuss. But first, let's start with where we are right now. Nick, can you fill us in? Yes, I can. We just completed the beta for version 13.4. And it will go out well. By the time you hear this, it will have already been out. And um, we, again, had some really good last-minute beta participation and found a few more things that we were able to squeeze in and in the um, into that release. Relatively minor edge cases, but still, we don't want to ship it with um, those weird things that we know about. So those are fixed. And let me just give you a little quick synopsis of what is version 13.4. It's got... 15 additions that we've classified as ads. It's got 22 improvements or updates to existing features. Some of those are also considered fixes or enhancements. We we sometimes take an enhancement that somebody opened up as, a, as an issue and we're like, well, it really wasn't built for that, but we're going to adjust it so it can work that way. So 22 of those things. And then 58 fixes. So... We uh, made a pretty big effort over the past few months to really chip away at the issue list, and a bunch of fixes are now in version 13.4. That's great. That represents a ton of hard work. I know. Yes, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, it was um, a nice long build. In fact, we've been working on that for longer than um, version 13.3 was. Although it was released in April 21st, we, mm-hmm. had, we were still working on version 13.4 when that was released. So it was a pretty long release, I'd say at least three months. So a big thank you to our testers this time around. It sounds like they have been invaluable. Yeah, huge, huge amount of help for, for those guys to just run through on their systems or test systems, copies of production, just kicking that... that uh, all the features and making sure everything's still working. And it sounds like what some of the value that was provided in this time was was extensible or edge case ways of using something that just kind of reiterates how important it is that we have the actual churches of the community testing things because they're all using Rock in different ways and have totally different data. Yeah. And even plugins, like it's important that mm. you test the plugins that you're using against that version. Now, the vendors, the, the third parties that are making those plugins, really they're supposed to be testing, but man, you should also double check their work. And in fact, we did find something um, late in the game. Thankfully, we were able to make an adjustment to compensate, but you know, yeah, it's always good to test all of your mm-hmm. things and all of your extensions. If you rely on it, you should test it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Nick. That was a great update. It sounds like we've got a lot packed into that dot release. John, what can you tell us about what we're working on now? 
Yeah, so we've been obviously working on 13.4, but uh, also putting uh, a lot of the final touches on the major features that are going into 14. So the point we're at right now is we finally have the ability to run a lot of the of the um, pieces of the update that um, require database changes. So it's really a, like a super technical topic, but sometimes we can't make those changes <laughs> until we get through a lot of these point releases, like the 13.3s, the 13.4s, um, because we want to reserve the right to make some types of database changes in those releases, in those, those point releases. And so now we've kind of drawn the line and say, okay, no more big database changes in the 13 dots. And now that will only happen in 14. So we're going back through putting in a ton of those database changes that have been kind of building up over the last probably six months. And, um, you know, so this week is going to be a big week for that, getting those done and, and then starting to do a lot of the testing uh, for those. There's the there's two still two major features in, in 14 that still need some more development. So it's coming along pretty well. So we're, we're happy about that. Um, but we're also at the point, too, where you can't have every developer working on, you know, just two features. So there's um, some development time that we're putting towards um, knocking out some ideas from the community, um, some more issues, um, while those two major features um, get the final um, polish. It's at this stage, too, that we, you know, we start putting in other features that we didn't promise, but we want to put in. So... There's still lots of room for surprises for um, 14. So um, Christmas is coming. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes with the big features, they just take time. And so while those are getting worked on by a smaller set of the team, the rest of the team can move on to, to working on other things. So it's definitely like playing Tetris with, with project management. Yes. That's a really good way to look at it. Sometimes yes. when we interview people, ask, well, do you use Agile? And it's like sometimes you... you it's hard to explain it to them, but it's like, gosh, you, you wish it was that easy that you could just <laughs> every two weeks just say this is what you're going to work on. But it's every day. It's something different that we have to shift our priorities to. That It's either an issue that, you know, is impacting somebody. We want to knock it out. And or it's like, oh, we got to get this in because of that database migration. And um, I think being that responsive is good. Like it really helps a lot of the community, but it does make project management a little, a little uh, more challenging. Yeah, and you know sometimes people talk about agile, and I think the output of agile, in my opinion, is very responsive development. Like you can develop quickly and get features out to your audience. If we definitely pass that test, like that's what we do. Is it traditional agile? No, it's super agile. I call it. <laughs> yeah. Imagine what that's done for over time, the speed and the quantity of the features and fixes that have gone out. have It's just been an exponential improvement to what would have been possible. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times we're fixing issues within days of mm -hmm. them even being reported and, and sometimes even within one day. Um, you know, we just put something in the 13.4 that was a last minute thing and it would have been easy just to say, oh, we'll just wait till 13.5, what's the big deal? But you know, just didn't see. I don't know. I would. I would prefer not to have to wait if I was sitting mm -hmm. on the other side. There's ways you one could get around these things, but it's like, well, it's almost easier just to fix it than it is to communicate ways to work around it. So, and it, it sort of ties into our next topic: the the fact where we came from mm -hmm. and what 
rock's all about. You know, that's important to us, being able to uh, be responsive to somebody's needs because we were all there. We were all on the other side of a vendor and a product. So we really wear that on our sleeve. Yeah. And I, you know, every vendor would probably say, well, we're not like a vendor. We want to be there with you. And but I've never really seen that to a certain point. There might be edge stories that you could tell, but like, I really feel like this is very different. Like we are actually in the community every day. We're a lot of times helping out with projects in, you know, hundreds of churches. Um, I mean, it's not a day that doesn't go by that I'm not personally engaging with a couple people in the community trying to either solve a problem, give an idea, uh, fix an issue, um, better understand something. And, it's it's sometimes really hard too because as it scales, it just gets harder and harder mm-hmm. to, to be able to do that. And um, but I think that is what makes rock different is it, it's almost like our DNA is not to put build a wall between us and 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 the people who use the product and the community. It's like we see ourselves as like well, we're on the same team. And 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 again, it's hard to to say that because every vendor, I think every system builder would say the same thing, but I think it's radically different when there really is no wall. Yeah. And I, I wonder how many of those other products and vendors started with a prayer. Like for me, and again, I only have a small involvement in this puzzle, but I remember very, very vividly where I was sitting when I heard the story of Nehemiah building a wall. And it's a great inspirational story. And it became Nehemiah's uh, holy discontent. And so for me, I internalized that and I said, God, what? this is what is wrong. Why don't we have software that is as good as the enterprise software? And at the time, you know, there was, without going too off, far on a tangent, you know, enterprise software, we, as we now say, isn't all that great. But we wanted to build something that was worthwhile, like worthy of the kingdom, mm-hmm. worthy of the king. And and it was a cry for me personally. And this was before I really even knew John. And so I always had this yearning to, like, why can't we contribute to something together, like across the spectrum of a bunch of different developers? And, you know, me, it, it just so happened, <laughs> coincidentally, it, I was at CCV when that presentation from uh, the leadership summit was given and I think shortly before or after that, I had kind of met John. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is when I started back at CCV and the and the um, back being hired on, I, I didn't want to create software for churches. Like that was like the last thing I wanted to do. Is like because <laughs> I don't know if that's really that's not in the best interest of of the church of a church. I agree. It's like, why write it yourself? Like, man, you just set yourself up for failure. It's like, you get hit by a bus or or you decide to go do something else. Like, you really leave them in a lurch. Yeah. And so I, I was volunteering mainly just to make their website. And so we did that. And it was pretty cool. But it was, I mean, the bar was really low, you know, back then. This was like 1999. 2000. So the bar was pretty low for what a website had to do. Um, but we just kept building from there. And and the problem was that there wasn't anything to, to do a lot of these things that we wanted. Um, back then, the senior pastor, Don Wilson, was really big into making neighborhoods 
um, a thing. And there was just no software for churches or even really for anything that would just give you that really high fidelity geospatial, you know, view of, of where people live so you could connect them. And so we just thought, well, okay, well, we better do this and we better write this. And it was really fun because we got to work with a lot of GIS tools. And that was back when, you know, the word wasn't really a Google Maps. It's the dark ages yeah. <laughs> of internet. So it was pretty much all ESRI, um, Arc GIS. And, and we just got really into that. And we worked with the, the county to get a parcel map of the, every, every parcel of land within the county, which is, I, it's cool. If you, when you get into that, it's, it's free data. Like for the most part, they just charge you like 20 bucks for the CD that it went on. That's how you got it back then. You couldn't download <laughs> it off the internet. You had to go down to the flood control place and buy your CD at the desk. Um, and then we just made these like four foot by eight foot maps of everybody's parcel in our area of town. And we shaded it if you went to, to CCV or not. Uh, wow. A lot of people are probably creeping out by that. But back then, that wasn't a creepy thing. <laughs> Trust me. It was like, people were just like wowed by it. They were just like, wow, this is so cool. I can see, oh, this is my neighbor. And they go to CCV too. I didn't even know that. And again, that sounds very, very creepy. But back then, it wasn't. Um, right. You had it in the lobby, right? As yeah. people come out of service, they could see, oh, look at that. There's Yeah, we printed up a whole bunch of them. And you could just walk up and, and see where you lived. And people had really enjoyed finding themselves on the map and then seeing every, everything and um now you did that. You'd have a lot of people like trying to sue you <laughs> or something. It was unifying back then. Yeah, yeah. And so then that moved into doing it online so that we could get those same parcel maps for our staff. And then we started writing software to connect them because like, okay, well, how do we get these people into groups? Because the groups all had to be... And the next thing you knew, we kind of had a church management system because we didn't have... You know, check-in was new back then. There weren't really on like digital check-in tools. This was even before, you know... Fellowship One um, was a thing. So we just kind of kept, well, nothing for that. I guess we better write that. Next thing you knew, we had it pretty much a church management system on accident. Um, and some other people wanted it, like Central and... and um, yeah, I, I could say we pestered you a little bit. I, I, I had this vision, this dream of, you know, collaborating and then you guys were so far ahead. Um, I think I just pestered you until you... Did well, that kind of, initiate then moving to selling that? No. I mean, I think it was just like when someone else wants it, and and especially it's a church, it's like, oh, how do you say no? It's like, so, now sometimes we did say a hard no because we knew that they couldn't, like we knew what it was. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, this is not something that you could, would be helpful to you. I mean, obviously you guys had skill sets where you guys could do it. And, and you understood like what you're getting into. Yeah. Um. But most churches, you know, didn't, and and so the yeah, that was like okay. Well, there seems to be interest here, so someone you know approached us about wanting it, and you know we went down that path. And at that point, we did try to to make one plea to say, hey, can we open source this instead? And you know, the leadership of the church was like, we just don't feel like that's what we want to get into. Like that sounds like a lot of support. Yeah, and and I think. Was the Honestly, right decision. They yeah. were right at that time. It, open source was not like it was today, and it was it was confusing, and it and it probably would have turned into exactly what they were fear, fearful of: is that we would be the support for it. And so, you know, as much as we kind of wanted to do that, I think that literally was the best decision at the time mm-hmm. um, was not not to open source it. And so we went down the path of 
selling it to an established church software vendor and they turned it into a product. Um, you know, they hadn't really been able to innovate into a newer stage and this was kind of like a way for them to jumpstart that. Yeah. So, you know, we were a part of that and we kept developing for that. And, and my church and many, many others, you know, followed suit and jumped onto that. Um, at, at that point, that's when I kind of latched on and said, well, we're going to make a community between all of us churches. Let's, let's collaborate together. Like, let's, let me build something that also works for your church if you want it. And I think that was an important piece of the puzzle back then. Yeah, it really was. And, but at the same time, it was the biggest creator of dissatisfaction, I think. Because when you mm-hmm. get people together and they collaborate and they have ideas and the ideas can't get put in, that creates tension. And that's what kind of created tension for us is that sometimes we were, we were finding ourselves in an awkward situation where we had rights to put code into the product because we, we needed it for ourselves. But then we hear someone saying, well, I, I really want that. And you're like, oh, that's a really good idea. And like, yeah, but we, you know, no one, no one else thinks so. And then it's like, okay, well, we have an open door. So we'll just like <laughs> write that in there. Slide and, you know. that in. Yeah. But then we become, you know, almost like what the church leadership didn't want us to be is like support for other churches. And that's where I think after a while we decided, okay, this, this really isn't that helpful. Like this is causing us a lot of stress and, and it's not our thing anymore. It's like right. You can't control the vision of it anymore. Yeah. Literally doing someone else's job. And, and, you know, maybe we just don't also to understand all the things that they were trying to, you know, prioritize. And mm-hmm. um, I think there were different norms at stake, you know, market norms versus, versus, uh, you know, down in the trench norms yeah. of getting ministry done. And, and, you know, I don't pretend to know all those answers back then. So we just kind of said, well, that's enough. Like, we'll just figure something out. Um, but that's where God moves because in that time, we had a contract. Obviously, everything is a contract if you sell something. And, <laughs> and, and it would kind of bound us. Like, we are, you know, we had to basically say we couldn't go do something else commercially. Right. So we said, well, okay, you know, may, maybe, maybe we could just do something else and get out of this contract. So, you know, CCV's leadership was like, yeah, that that's fine. We understand, you know, open source had come a long ways and, and we understood it better and there were better models for it. And um, so CCV's leadership, yeah, like we could, we could do, we could do another one and you, we, we would open source it this time. And, and, you know, the money that we're making on this isn't why we did this. So it, the, the money is not even a consideration. So we asked if we could get out of the contract, like, Hey, you guys keep your money and, and, and we'll just do something else or find another way. And, you know, they're pretty shrewd, so they said no. Which <laughs> <laughs> is probably the right answer, I guess. Like, I mean, it's the only one that makes sense, I guess. Um, but we thought, oh, well, you know, we'll just keep working on it on our own time. And eventually when contracts expire, we'll we'll have something. And Which was going to be like seven years later. Yeah. But, you know, you think it's a long path. And yeah. so you're like, okay. So it wasn't but a couple of months when they came back to us and said, hey, you know, we the way we're paying you, you know, is kind of hindering some of the models that we can do. And do you mind if if we adjust that? You, you know, you'll probably make more money this way. And again, the church stepped up, like, hey, we don't really care about the money. Like, 
it's not the money that we're doing this for. And you know, what if we, what if we just said, no, like walk away, don't do any contracts. And that's what we did. So God, you know, God stepped up and said, Hey, he can move mountains and, and he, and he will. Um, but you just got to trust and, and be on his timeline. It wasn't on our timeline. So sometimes we, we could get frustrated, but we don't have to like, just let God do it. It certainly looked like an insurmountable hurdle at the time. Yeah. I mean, and it, it was just a matter of months. And then after that came up, it was a matter of like hours before everything was just done. And that allowed us to kind of move on to do something else. Yeah. I remember meeting with you. Um, you guys called us out because my church was you know, 50 minutes away. So we met in between and you're like, okay, well, we had been working on something, but it was like PHP and you had just decided we're just going to throw it out and start over. Yeah. I mean, back then, I get it's hard to talk about these things because nowadays it's like, well, but you know, you have all these other things. And so, like, PHP to do the type of, of development, component development we wanted to do, it just didn't support it very well. And it's not to say it can't today, but I mean, this was a long time ago. This was like over 10 years ago. And, um, and, and, you know, we're trying to do things with MySQL, but I, going back to what I was talking about earlier, geospatial was really important for yeah. us. And MySQL, was terrible for for geospatial and and it, and it knew it like it knew it had actually bugs in the geospatial code and there were fixes for that but they weren't being accepted as into the product because it wasn't a big deal to them you know you got to focus on what you want to focus on and geospatial was not that ironically what was really good back then was postgres for geospatial but postgres you couldn't find anybody who would host postgres for you back then and we really wanted to make sure that whatever we built was something that a church could go get hosting for, you know, fairly easily. And so Postgres really wasn't an option. Now it, the, the tables have turned, like Postgres is where it's at. And it's only because, you know, Oracle bought MySQL and then slowly destroyed it that Postgres even got more and more traction yeah. and more and more people fled over there. So a lot of times, you know, looking back, you're like, oh, that would have been the smarter move. And it's like, yep, but that wasn't what the data at the time. And you know, kind of would have been nuts to use Postgres back then. Yeah, it would have been a. It probably would have hampered the start, the seed from growing. Yeah. Now nowadays we would have a lot of you know savings and licensing costs. So, yeah. but in twenty twenty hindsight, like that's the thing. These things don't make sense unless you were back then. Um, but it also goes back to like a leadership principle. Like, well, you know, if you look at a, some a decision back then and you don't like it, well, it was made with the best intention, with the best data. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't. And so sometimes I think we look at decisions and sometimes go, well, that was a dumb decision. It's like, well, people rarely make dumb decisions on purpose, right? Sometimes there's people who just don't look at all the data or who just move too fast. But if, if someone, you know, was a well-considered decision was never dumb, in hindsight, it might turn out not to be the best, but we don't have time machines. so Right. So, yeah, we switched it back to something that we are more familiar with that had component based development. And you pretty quickly then put together a, a, like a core content management system that you then started to build pieces on top of. Yeah, and I think it's that that extensibility that we build with that makes everything hard. Like nothing is nothing is rigid. And so if you open up any development book, it's kind of like okay, that's great, but uh, you know, they always start with like okay, and build the login page. It's like <laughs> 
no, you can't. Like, f- like you have to first build a CMS on top of it so that you can have login pages and you can have login block that you could put on any page and put any other blocks on the page. And so I even remember thinking about that again when we were doing Rock Mobile. It's like, oh gosh, like <laughs> every book is like, okay, now make your first page. It can look like this. It's Hard-coded, like, static. Yeah, it's like nothing is static like that. Like, and it just makes it harder, takes it longer. Um, and it makes it harder to perform too. You know, like oh, I think one of our biggest performance things is our best feature, which is attributes. I mean, imagine if you had Rock and you could not add attributes. Like you were just stuck with the properties that we gave you. Um, <laughs> you couldn't have workflows. You couldn't have person attributes, group attributes. I mean, it would just be so. Yeah. But that makes it's really hard to get attributes to perform fast because right. they. You can roll them out fast, but you can't get them to always to perform fast. Yeah, trying to do reporting on that's been very challenging, and 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 it's working, and it's pretty fast. And we actually have some new stuff coming that's going to make them way faster. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's really hard. Like, yeah, you know, everybody, sometimes people are like, well, I don't know why that can't perform. It's like, if you only knew what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, we could if and if we, all we cared about was ourselves, we would just add it as a property. You know, if, if it was just one church, oh, add as a property. Now it's, it's like ridiculously easy to make it fast and edit, you know, but we don't do that. Like, because what one person wants is very different than what another person and, wants. And you'd have other problems over time going down that path. Mm-hmm. Your your person model would be totally bloated. But so, but the community was a big piece of it back then. Obviously, we. Everybody, even before there was a 1.0, there was a community discussing, talking, testing. Um, and so that was a that was a major component of what we did. And it changed the way everything works. Um, the responsiveness, what features are in there. Um, so community has been kind of built into the DNA from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of the best you know, things I think that's ever happened to, to, to the uh, project. But it's also been one of the most challenging things too, because you're trying to keep a lot of people happy and. Yeah. I, I distinctly remember back in the old days, pre rock even saying, Hey, this isn't about pointing the finger at the vendor. This is about what can we do? What, how can we add value? It's easy to criticize a vendor and a product, but it's hard to add value and, and do what you can do. Yeah, and I think that's probably one of the things too that I've learned too is like, oh, I guess I see why some of the things that we thought were so easy that you know they, maybe there was resistance to is like, well, that's going to be really hard. And my response in my head was always like, yeah, but why is that matter? Like, well, why is hard matter? Um, but now I kind of understand, you know, where that resistance came from. And it's not that we would use that as an excuse now, but you kind of understand kind of where they're coming from. That it's a lot easier not to be that responsive and to just put up a wall between, you know, you and the, and the customers and, and, um, and then pretend there is no wall. Like you, mm-hmm. you put it up and then you say, Oh, like, we're just awesome. Like we're so responsive. And it's like, well, are you, um, but it's, it's hard when there's no wall. And that responsiveness and extensibility, as you were just both saying is rooted back in the why and how of, of rock coming into existence in the first place. And we're talking about what kind of sets it apart. And it really is that infancy story. 
right? And and I remember meeting both of you in, I think, 2012. And Nick, you were coming up on Fridays to help work on the project. And it was still very young. And it wasn't that long after that time frame that we started talking about what should the core values of this uh, be. And the core values have remained really important. And it's not something... Um, it's not just like words you put on a plaque and, and stick up somewhere. It really is, has been a decision-making a tool for the team over time because Rock is so much more even than it was envisioned to be early on. But we took the paths and the steps and made the individual decisions that led to where it is today, which is still quite responsive and, and still very much in the trenches to what church needs are. And and I think a lot of that's rooted in the fact that we took those core values. We, oh my goodness, we put so much effort into those and testing them out and trying to determine if they were accurate and then using them as that framework for decisions. And and those are accessibility, community, craftsmanship, and innovation. And um, we've talked a lot about the community aspect of this, and that's why we're extensible. That's why we turn around and fix things as quickly as possible. Um. With accessibility, I think that also was hinged in that early story. Um, when the the other product had been sold off, the price point that was put on that really eliminated it as a tool of choice for a lot of churches. And that just doesn't sit right with our team. Right. Yeah. And I think when we, from the very beginning, there's always like a power struggle between any kind of business relationship and at the very beginning, we gave up all of that. So when it's open source, like you lose power when you do that, right? Because right. everybody sees it. And we said, okay, well, anybody, any church can do whatever they want with this. Any religious nonprofit, mm-hmm. to be super clear. Um, so that basically says, hey, if we mess this up, and if we don't, if you don't like the direction we're going in, well, you you could go do whatever you want with mm-hmm. it as long as you don't commercialize it. Mm-hmm. Um, which churches, you know, would not want to do. So that kind of like gives away a lot of the power to the community. And put some pressure on us. Right. To say, well, you know, you got to keep in line with what the community wants. If you get off that, then, you know, they have a weapon against you, which is good. And then the other one was the donation model, Mm -hmm. which is to say, well, there's no gun to your head saying you have to pay or, or you have to go away. Um, so that is, again, another thing is like, if we don't do this right, you know, you get to go do whatever you want. Um, that makes it really hard, though. It like, does make it hard. When you give away all of that, like, power, you're really then only relying on trust. Like, it was a two-way trust relationship. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're a more, you know, traditional vendor, you, I mean, there's really no, not a lot of trust there. Like, you, you still got to pay. If you don't want to pay, well, then go away. You got to take your toys and go home. You know, this one you get to keep your toys, and and you could p- potentially make your toys better if you wanted to. Like you're not you're not stuck. Um, but that we're just we're hundred percent relying on on the on this trust back mm-hmm. and forth. You know, and, and it was hard in the early days. I remember us having meetings, saying how how is this going to work? There's we don't have, there's no money, you know, who's going to donate and here's the number we need. Okay. Write the number on the board. Let's see if we don't get that by January 1st, then we know that this is probably not going to work. I I think you called it a golden fleece or fleece. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and sure enough that I remember getting the call from you. Yep. So a church has donated and pushed us over that number and it was a big number. Yes. A scary number. But it, 
built faith, I, I think. It, Absolutely. You may have thought I had the faith, <clears throat> but I think seeing those things happen really bolstered my faith that I knew that this was the way. Yeah. It's definitely been an exercise in God giving this project what it needed when it needed it. Not before, right. but when it needed it. And that I think that's been very faith building for all of us sitting here anyway. Yeah, it's still scary. I mean, because <laughs> no matter what, there's always another what you step, achieve. Right? It, there's always <laughs> another like phase of it that you have to go through, and you're always putting your foot out, not knowing if if you're gonna. How solid on. is that? Yeah. yeah, but God's been faithful mm-hmm. for sure. So, and, and it hasn't been easy though. I mean, it's right. Every time it's like oh, you you put the number out there, and it's just not. Then you don't just back away from the number and say okay. You yeah. know, you got to do your part, right? So it's almost like I use the analogy like fishing. You, you got to put the lure in the water, and you got to do the fishing part. God will bring the fish, but it has happened. But it it's rare that you can just stay in your boat, and God's just going to have the fish jump into the boat. Like <laughs> it can true. happen, but uh, you know, it's like us. We're fishing together, right? We put do our effort. God does His effort, um, and occasionally you get a miracle where the fish jumps in the boat. Or he overflows your nets with yes. fish. Mm-hmm. When when you just he says cast and you cast it, you're like, yeah, we've I was already say, been that, fishing. We tried that. <laughs> in that story, they still had to throw the net, right? And they still had to bring the fish into the boat. So it wasn't like in that case, God said, "Just hold tight. The fish are going to jump in the <laughs> right. boat. <laughs> They're coming." They had to show that they would follow his his command to, to fish. Yeah. But if if this differentiator of the structure and the way rock is set up and spark is set up um, isn't common in the church management world, it's because it's really, really hard. Yeah. We get calls all the time, like maybe like uh, independent people who's saying, oh, we love your model. We're going to, we're going (laughs) to follow that model too. It's like, well, careful. Like just be, just know it's not easy. Like nothing ever looks hard from the outside, but from the inside, it's really hard and and um, it's not to discourage them and say don't do it. It's just like make sure you understand like it, what you're getting into. It's mm-hmm. it's actually it's actually hard. And I don't think I don't think it's bad to have a different model. Like this right. is the model for us. Right. So that's that's what we've said. But don't, it doesn't mean that it's like the perfect model for everybody. That's true. It does feel like the model that this product and that all of us here individually have been called to support and and work in and really put a a life's calling into. Yeah. And we've learned a lot along the way that, you know, different messaging that, you know, you can use. And in the beginning, it, you know, pretty naive, Oh, just, you know, give what you can and (laughs) we'll see what happens. But then as it became more and more a thing that needed to sustain a team, right. It just doesn't work. Like, no. And the churches running on rock have said to us at various times, like, let's make sure this is stable for a go forward plan. So let's put some standards out there, some recommendations. People are looking for that information. And that was completely accurate. Yeah. I think a lot of the initial intent was like, oh, this could just be like a, this will never need to have full time people. We just, (laughs) that's just crazy. Like, if you look at how far it's come and how big it is, it's like, no, that was needed. Definitely going to need full time people. And then other thoughts are like, oh, well, everybody will just contribute whatever they want code-wise into it. Oh, boy. No, that doesn't work either because, I mean, everybody's code is different right. qualities, different 
ways of coding, understanding of how things work deeper down, and even just things that seem incredibly obvious, like well, if someone submits their code, they'll support that code in the future when there's bugs. No, no. <laughs> once it's submitted and you pull it you in, you own it's, it. It's yours. Like yeah, we own it. Now you got to fix it. And even though you didn't write it. So that was another one of those things that we had to change over time. It's like, okay, we, we won't take pull requests. But the rock shop gave us the ability to say, well, yeah, That's go right. build build your thing and integrate it and just provide it to everybody in the rock shop. Now you support it. Yeah. Well, when I was going to finish that, we will not oh. take pull requests from just anybody. Like mm, we will take right. them. Right, right, right. But they have to be very close. And they ha- and and we want them to be working for a church. Like right. that's who we're here to serve. Yes. But if you have a for profit, and we're not going to take your pull request and then have to support it, even if it was done on on the behalf of a church, because that's basically saying, hey, go pay them to write something that then we have to support forever and never get resources to support. Yeah. It's basically a tax to other churches. Right. That just doesn't really work in in this model. Yeah, and and again, we thought that could work, and then we learned over time that oh, that no, that doesn't work. Um, yep, this has definitely been a learning journey. And let's see, it was what 2014 when Rock V1 came out, I think. I'm really bad with years, probably. I think that's right. In the in the fall, I think we launched our first major release, and uh, and I remember the the vision at that time was. It made sense for where we were with the product, um, where we were with the community. You've talked about some things that have changed over time. I think God's just had to step in and stretch our vision a little bit at a time. And what a thing it would have been back then to have had our eyes fully opened to everywhere Rock was going. In a lot of ways, I'm glad that it's been a little bit at a time. I think that's all the human brain can kind of tackle. Yeah. I guess if I could go back in the time machine, I well, or think back to how I thought back then, I never would thought have thought that at this point it would still be this hard. Hmm. Yeah. And I think it's because we just don't stop. Like I don't feel like we've rested a day. No. It's like it's we're always running after something, some new feature. And I joked, but it was kind of true. Like, okay, this is the last time I do this. Like we're never doing that. I'm never doing another church management system yet. Yet now we are. <laughs> like we're writing another whole church management system because we're this new V next project of like, you know, writing a whole new it, architecture <clears throat> has become writing a whole new church management system. Now the it, data model is all the same. Yeah. But holy cow, like we are going into like weeds so deep. Yeah, that haven't to figure been out. explored in ten years, right? I mean, this is kind of what it was like 10 plus years ago. Yeah, the amount of research and depth that we have to go to to and changes that we're making to the core architecture to make significant improvements. And and you know what, we could just say, you know what, it's it's that fast today, it can be that fast tomorrow, you know? But it's like no, what that's not good enough. We got to make this you know, cutting that the, the load time in half not good enough. Like it's got to be yeah. way less than that. And and why are we making those decisions? Because of our core values of craftsmanship and innovation. Right. And, and they so those are still driving the decisions that we make today. And they're not the easy decisions. We find ourselves taking the hard path many times because of that framework. Yeah, I really think if you... The truth is it's insanity. <laughs> <laughs> I say, everybody, I think a lot most people would be like, okay, there it is. Like, let's just make some improvements every year and make some... But it's just like we know that's not what's needed by the churches 
And that might be a good, you know, five year plan. But after mm-hmm. five years, you'd have a, mm-hmm. it'd be kind of like a turd. Like you know, I was thinking that same word. It's just no one wants it. So, and we're not here for the short term, and we we're not here as a business model. We're here to to right. to to make a tool that the church is going to need not today, but well, they kind of needs it today. Some <laughs> stuff we're working on, but like it's going to what the church is going to need in five years. Yep. So that is underway. Yeah. That that replacement uh, or next gen V next is happening. Well, there's new features coming out that I think are really going to be addressing those needs that we need now, but what we really need in five years. And I think if you look at the the goal that we were trying to solve in the beginning, it's so much smaller than what it is today. Mm-hmm. And it's so that what is today is so much smaller than what it we hope to be in a few years. Yes. And w- originally when we named it uh, a relationship management system, I think that really indicated what it is we're trying to do here, which is a ministry tool. Mm-hmm. And those new features and the the basis for all of these things that we're doing is really to build that ministry set of tools, covers basic administration, but really reaches into uh, connecting with people in new ways. And that's another big differentiator in the rock in the space i think of what rock provides intrinsically and it's why we're responsive as well yeah we actually threw that term away like quick church management system mm-hmm. it, it was actually in our logo and it was for, yep. for just very a short brief, time short time it's like oh no this, this is not what we do like it's so much bigger and that's not what we really want to be known for like still today like we don't church management to me has a lot of like internal, you know, features kind of, that's what it kind of feels like mm-hmm. we really want to be focusing on the external features that help people. It's really fun to have a kind of throwback conversation and, and review those things here ourselves just around a little table. But I think it's also super valuable to understand the trajectory of a project that you're interested in or involved in, if you know where it came from, you can kind of track that line forward into the future and see where it's going. And uh, and it's great to circle back and say, yes, this is rooted in something that we were called through all sorts of different complexities together to do. Um, and, and here are the reasons why, and we're still on track for that. So um, really cool conversation. I'm glad we could share this with the community. I'm not sure we've ever really just discussed it quite so candidly before. And uh, there's just a lot of value in the looking back at history. You know, in the Old Testament, God frequently had the authors of the different books recite the ways they've seen God show up in the history of their people. And so remembering that history and remembering God's hand in history is uh, something that's just a a part of uh, what churches do anyway. And so we want to be a part of that as well. So thanks for listening as we shared our story of origin for Rock. For those of you who are in the community or looking to join uh, and kind of check out Rock or get more deeply involved with the other churches that are there, this is a this community. You can learn as much from the people, more from the people who are involved than you can from the documentation or the partners or the product itself. So if you have not yet really dug into this community, you need to do that. We have a couple of classes coming up that can help you not only connect with people, but also sharpen your skills a little bit in the rock world. 
in July, uh, the 5th through the 7th, we have the sequel for Rock class. So if you are ready to learn more about the data structure in Rock and some advanced reporting, this is a great class for you. It's good if you know Rock a little bit and are um, not familiar much with SQL. Then there is a masterclass coming up July 11th through 15th. This is our annual virtual masterclass. So um, it's a little bit of a different experience than an in-person class, but for some that is what makes sense uh, for travel budgets or other reasons. If you're a very small staff trying to serve your church and can't get away, the virtual masterclass might be the option for you. So check that out. But what we're really excited about and working a lot on right now is the Rock Conference that's coming up in September. Our room block is almost totally sold out. So get your hotel rooms, get them soon. And don't forget that we have lots of exciting aspects of this conference. We have a community celebration the night before. We have a free technical training program the day before. And we have some really incredible content. We've been working closely with the speakers this year to kind of handpick and select the, the topics and the sessions that are coming in. Lots of really great content. So this is the thing that will drive your rock experience all year. Don't miss it. And uh, make sure to bring your whole rock team. We're also going to have a communications and digital track this year. So if you have, if your communications team is starting to wonder about maybe utilizing some of the tools a little more inside rock, this would be an excellent time uh, to send them to the conference as well. The schedule for rock is now up on our uh, website. So uh, make sure that you check out the conference page and look for that schedule so you can see what we're talking about with all these great sessions coming up. Do keep in mind, it's still early. There may be some adjustments to timeframes um, on some of the sessions, but you can follow them and create your own schedule, which is pretty cool. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us today in our conversation about the history and the direction of rock. We're so thankful to be supported by a community like this one. We don't take it for granted, and we are very grateful for your involvement. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to talking with you again at the next Rockcast. This episode of Rockcast is brought to you by Rock Partner Missional Marketing, an SEO and advertising services provider. Connect with Missional Marketing today at rockrms.com slash partners.